All right. Okay. Take it easy, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's address the elephant in the room. What's with my weird um, angle? So here's the deal. Uh, my camera died. The camera that I had set up for my podcasting slash live streaming thing. I was so excited about it. I had the perfect, perfect setup for it right on top of the speaker. It was wired in. It was a great looking shot and it just quit. Mm-mm-mm. It just quit. So here we are. Sorry folks. <laughs> yeah. You're just gonna have to deal with it this week. I'll have it fixed next week. I'll have a new camera by next week, but for now you're just gonna have to just gonna have to deal with it. Oh man. And if you're listening in audio world, this doesn't affect you at all. So, uh, welcome to episode, what are we on? 39? 39. 39? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. We're, we're 30, back. actually 40 weeks. Cause we've missed, we missed a week. Yeah. But now we can't be counting. We can't like, I have many things in my life where there's kind of like a double date for an anniversary or some sort of special no. event. <laughs> and I can't remember those things. Morgan and I got married in our apartment before we had a wedding oh but, so you have your wedding date mm-hmm. and then your actual anniversary is that yes but wow uh not everyone in the family knows both those things <laughs> oh well hopefully they don't <laughs> they, they don't, don't listen to the pod <laughs> no they'll be like podcast what is that does that what? happen on computers <laughs> is that on the is that on the youtubes sounds like one of those liberal media things <laughs> oh and and people in the chat for the live stream viewers and the people who are watching um uh shout out to our discord members and our patreon members yeah uh yeah Rhett's audio is because things aren't syncing but when we post it to youtube it's going to be crispy it's going to be fine it's going to be the regular crispy quality that you're used to on youtube so mm. maybe just you know well, no, don't don't zone out. You should you should listen, and you'll get two experiences. <laughs> you'll get the raw in the moment live experience of me talking through my computer microphone because for whatever reason Streamyard won't pick up this microphone, um, and then you'll get uh, you get the crispy finished product later next week. Right. So, um, so how was how was your week? Um, it was actually pretty good. Played golf on Monday. Mm-hmm. Had. Rehearsal with uh, Noah Guthrie in Good Trouble Monday and Tuesday. We've got our first show coming up June 25th in Wisconsin. We're playing Country Fest Friday, Country June 25th. Fest. I think it's like a 2.30 slot on the main stage. So pretty pretty decent uh, decent time. Wicked. We put a hell of a set list together, though, I will tell you. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, sorry, I was just adjusting. No, is is that it? Did anything else yeah, happen? That, well, and then uh, let's see what else. Continued to get the house set up, did a video, did my first like video in the new space here this week, the reverb thing I did. And uh, I got to say, man, this new space is working out really, really well. It's still a little bit live in here. You're getting a little too much room reverb on my vocal with my shotgun mic, so I need a solution for that. But overall, man, the workflow was better. It was faster. It was smoother. Um. Yeah, I'm really, really happy. So there you go. And then I played golf again yesterday with my dad and Tilly. Boom. We had a jolly moment. Does Tilly enjoy golf? Yesterday was like her first time actually playing. And you know what? Um, she's got a natural swing. Like 
just picked it right up and immediately she was connecting with the ball. And I mean, we all suck. I'm not good at golf. <laughs> My dad's not good at golf. Tilly's not good at golf, but uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, that's fun. Yeah. I, if anybody out there is a golfer, you know, leave your, put your par in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't that's know. That's how golf works. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, a few years ago, I helped out a buddy. He was trying to shoot like a commercial for like this business thing he was doing. And he was, it mostly was just, just going to be me and the fam like walking around. It was going to be like these kind of like just a uh, very general, like, like an American family sort of thing. But he <laughs> said, right. Hey, could you go like hit some golf balls? And I, I want to like put this in it. And I said, uh, I've never done that. And so he said, you'll do fine. Now mind, uh, Mind you, I don't have much athletic ability. Uh-huh. Um, I, I did karate for a long time, but, but like punching, kicking, and jumping—that's you know that I, I'm I'm fine at that. But when it right. comes to other things that take you know, some sort some sort of skill or you, I don't know, being able to swing and hit stuff, I'm not great at. So I thought, oh, I'm going to suck. But I I, had, I actually was doing okay, and I it blew my mind because. This, I've never done it before, except for like mini golf, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, that doesn't, I mean, there, the thing that I've noticed too, in just talking to friends of mine about like, yeah, I'm getting into golf. I started taking lessons earlier this year and, and I grew up playing a little bit. My, my grandpa's an amazing golfer and he's a uh, ranger at a golf course. So I've like been on golf courses since I was a little kid, but never really learned how to play. And it's amazing how many musicians how many musician friends of mine I know that are golfers that, mm. that love it. Um, Dane Farnsworth, for example, he's a keys player. He's played with everybody. He's in Marcus King's band. Now he and I played together a bunch and he like played in high school and college, like competitively and um, Rick plays. And, and I mean, it, there's all kinds of people in the industry and in the music industry and musicians that I've been meeting that are like really into golf. And I think there is, some kind of connection because Noah and Ian are huge golfers. Ian is like a damn good golfer. Mm. Um, and we took Phil, our bass player who, sorry, this mic is sounding a little crispy. I'm going to back it off a little bit. Anyways, we took Phil for his first time on Monday and same thing. Phil never played before, but just had like a, a not a nice swing. He was connecting with the ball. And I think there's some sort of connection between a musical, someone with musical ability and aptitude and a sport like golf, because Playing an instrument and swinging a golf club is all about like finesse and technique and detail and repetition. And it's, it's a, I think it, it exists in the same part of the mind, if that makes any sense. Sure. <laughs> it's just a theory I have. No, I, I, um, yeah, I have, I have, I should say, even though I, I apparently can, can swing a golf club and hit a golf ball generally in the direction I'm aiming. I have no interest to ever do it again. Uh, oh, really? No, I don't. No. Oh, dude, it's so much fun. No, I, I don't it. have it. I, if I'm going to like relax, I want to do something else. Um, I, I, I want to like... do a hobby I already have, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't think I'd do well at it because of my hand, my left hand not being able to turn around. I didn't think I'd be able to like hold it and swing. And I mean, I, I was just surprised. And that, but yeah, just a funny anecdote, not a, hey, Zach's going to get a, a, you know, set of clubs because that never ever 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 oh man i'm i'm so into it i'm so i'm gonna next time i bring my clubs 
And sorry, next time I come to Nashville, I'm bringing my clubs. Cause there's like four people in Nashville that I've been talking to that, um, it's like, Oh, let's go play. So you're, you're just going to like get into that and ditch the YouTube guitar thing. Yeah. And just become altogether. a golfer. You know, I'm looking for an out, man. That's what it is. Exactly. I'm trying to get out of YouTube guitar. And I think golf might be it, man. Golf might be my ticket out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my week was crazy, man. Um, it was Graham's birthday week, so he turned three. Happy birthday, Graham. Yes. And uh, like in-laws were in town, and then we had like all the family over uh, Saturday. And yeah, it was it was just a, just a lot. And we're still waiting on still waiting on those keys, uh, Novo oh, and I yeah. and, and Revolta. We're just like, it's really frustrating because we want, you know, we could have already been paying rent. You know, mm-hmm. like we, mm-hmm. they could have been making money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's their fault. That's on them. Yeah. You know? and, and we're not waiting. We we were waiting a lot uh, or well, a while for the um, contractors because we thought, well, we're, we'll try to get the work done and have that done before we move in. But now it's like Novo has another CNC. I think it showed up like we just need to get in there. And yeah. um, I mean, they need it worse than me because, you know, they're literally falling in on themselves. Um, and it, it doesn't the CNC take some time to get set up? Cause I remember when they got their first CNC, it seemed like it was months. It's like the CNC showed up, but then it was like eight weeks before it was actually up and operational. Cause they had to get it all set up and dialed in and get the profiles all put in there. Right. Well, I mean, probably it'll probably go faster because of, you know, now all the hard work's done. Cause I think it's just a duplicate of the machine they have, but still, you know, there's, there's, um, dust evacuation stuff and they have Mm -hmm. to build the damn thing and it's not you know and i don't think i mean i i i don't believe it just shows up completed you know i'm sure (laughs) it's just it's like a big acme crate and you just like knock the sides off and it's plug it into the wall and it's like ready to go uh but if yeah if anyone hasn't seen that their cnc i actually made a video on it a, a while ago god oh man it's been two years ago now it might have been two years ago now both but it's a big machine both you and rj for a while we're churning out every every other week there was like a ret novo video and then an rj novo video and i was <laughs> loving it i was like yeah i gotta get one of these guitars um oh man but n- not as exciting as my son having a birthday but almost as exciting last night i got a message from um, a buddy he makes fat foot effects <laughs> which is nice funny to say but he said, hey, I think I see one of your pedal boxes on Adam Savage's workbench. And lo and behold, on it's like an hour-long video he posted on the 29th. At around 21 minutes in, there is a Mythos box sat on a workbench. Yeah. So I sent him something. Uh, so I, I hope he makes a video about it. If he doesn't, just knowing that he saw it, opened it, and hopefully went, ha, is good enough for me. <laughs> hey, that's cool. <laughs> they just put it aside. Yeah, I was like, never saw it. it goes up in this loft where it's you know the land of forgotten things. But that's but awesome. Man. Yeah, you sent me a picture of that I woke up to that picture this morning. Was like, oh my god! Uh, I I go. My friend sent Adam Savage something that he touched and he acknowledged, and <laughs> now he knows that my friend exists. Holy shit! It's weird, but hopefully. Um, hopefully they'll reach back out because I think I mentioned in a previous podcast when I sent him. Uh, I sent him a Positron Collider because, of course, I right. did. Um, of course. I, I sent a letter, but I didn't send any contact information. So uh, I didn't have my phone number, <laughs> my email. I mean, you can find me, but I, I felt like an idiot. But, you know, 
just just knowing it might sit on a shelf with other Ghostbuster things, maybe next to a PKE meter is very exciting. But it, that's very very anyway. exciting. I'm excited for you. So, do you want to get right into dipping a rig? Let's dip a rig. Okay. You picked one out for us. Drop it in the old uh, the Discord. By the way, if you want to join us while we're taping, li- oh boy, oh I'm gonna like this. If you want to join us while we're taping live, you can uh, follow us on Patreon. Join us on Patreon, and you'll get access to the private Discord server uh, where there's a good handful of people in here right now yep. uh, chatting with us, and you get to watch us record. You get to watch the sausage being made live. <laughs> yeah. So Warts here and all. we are, once and all. Now, this is beautiful. First of all, before we even get into the rig, let's talk about the composition of this shot right here. Yes. This is this looks like an ad. Yeah, it really does. Lo- great use of the natural light. Now, if I'm if I'm nitpicking, we're a little overexposed. Okay, <laughs> just a touch. I would have dropped that. Uh, I would drop that shutter speed down. Just you know, a couple clicks. But beautiful. The colors. It's nice and and kind of light pastels and and muted. The the composition is very nice. This looks great. So this is Graham Case. Uh, this is his setup, and. Um, what he's got here is a Princeton reverb with a 12-inch speaker. So they did do a special run with the 12. It's got a Cannabis Rex, which is cool because that's going to give you a little bit more low end and kind of shave off a little bit of high end because it's a hemp cone. The pedals are a TU3. He's got a T-Rex Fat Sugar Boost, a Yellow Cake Fuzzy Burrito, which is uh, our buddy Ryan at Yellow Cake, Strymon Volante, a Boss FRV1, and an uh, Earthquaker Hummingbird, and... The guitar is a Jazzmaster. I I assume it's a Fender. Um, yes, it's a Fender. In a lovely, either I think it's Sonic Blue or maybe Daphne Blue. Uh, yeah, I think it's it, like a. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. And and then the white coily cable yeah. too. Don't sleep on the coily cable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that he. Um, he he he, cho- he chose these pedals in this setup mostly because he likes surf rock. So I think I mean, yep, I does it. it get any more surf rock than than a Jazzmaster into a, a Fender? I don't think so. Yeah, and and uh, speaking of the Patreon chat, shout out to Rob Pierce we got in the chat today. Rob actually works at Fender building amps, uh, and he's saying that we build a trillion of these amps. I dig them. Yeah. I actually did a video like with Princeton's a while ago. Um, Maybe this should be part of our drinking game when Rhett plugs a video that he made <laughs> months and years ago. But anyway, the hand-wired versus PCB. And uh, I, the hand-wired one we were talking about in that video, Rob messaged me on Instagram. He's like, yo, I built that amp. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, sick. Okay, so I want to start with the guitar here. I mean, if you're going to have a jazz master, I feel like the matching headstock rosewood board in that color is probably the move, yes. at least for me. I think that's, that is such a good look. Yeah, my it, God, I, I I feel like we've been featuring Jazzmasters a lot. It, it might just be my subconscious saying I need to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean it it it's an iconic aesthetic. The you know the big white pick guard and, and matching knobs and pickup covers. It's just it, it, it all of this is it's working together, especially with that coily cable and then the leather strap. You know, I'm just yep, I'm into it. Uh, Graham, you said it's Graham. Graham, yeah. So Graham has got a good sense of uh, he's got an eye. I think. Yeah. I'd love to see what the the rest of his house looks like because if his rig is this well put together, I imagine that house is probably a nice place to be. <laughs> so the pedal board, 
Looks like we got, is that a Temple Audio pedal board? I've never uh, used one of those, but I've heard good things. It looks like it. it's like bent metal with the yeah. red ends. I can't see the surface of the pedal board, but. I can't um, tell. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, is he in the chat here? His name is Hev- Hevorius? Hevorius? Hevorius. Hevorius, are you, you there? All right, so what do you think about these pedals here? I, I dig them. I, you know, I've never played the Fat Sugar Boost, but T-Rex, I mean, they've historically made great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, TU3 tuner, classic. I mean, classic. You know, uh, the Yellow Cake Fuzzy Burrito, I think is, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe is kind of like a super modded um, Big Muff. Nice. But it can do way more than that. And for those that don't know, like the Big Muff is, um, an, oh, it's an overdrive cascading into a fuzz. But the Big Muff just, period, is a super versatile circuit. Like for a pedal builder, like if you're wanting to get into pedals, there's so much you can do with that circuit because it's essentially just a bunch of cascading gain stages. And you can do things that turn it from, uh, you know, more overdriven to more tone bendery, just little things. In fact, there are some tone benders that are actually big muffs. Um, so. and a perfect example of that isn't the fuzz factory. Didn't it start off as a big muff or a, it's fuzz a, face? it's a fuzz face. Okay. Yeah. Forget what I said, but, uh, moving on from that, I mean the Volante, come on, fantastic. The boss, uh, F F R V one, which is the fender reverb unit. So it's like a 63 tube, Reverb. Right, making up for the fact that the Princeton doesn't have the reverb, but it's going to give you that really drippy spring right. fender reverb tank thing, which well, is cool. And, and having it in front of the amp like this is essentially acting like a fender reverb tank, right? Because that's the idea of that pedal. Yeah, yeah. Is to do act. It acts as like the preamp section of the the reverb tank and everything, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, oh, there's Havorius is in the chat now. There you go. So the uh, the he said in his email that it's a little redundant having the reverb and the trem. The Earthquaker Hummingbird is a, is like a really choppy. It's it's based on the Vox repeater circuit. But right. yeah, you're right. Running it into the front of the amp is totally different. And that's, I mean, if you were going to play surf music back in the day, that's what you would have. You'd have a Fender right. reverb unit in front of your like, you know, blonde super or whatever, you know, right. showing. Right. Uh, and um, yeah. Uh, though apparently those Fender reverbs, I think they've become a little bit more sought after. Because uh, yeah, I, the reverb tanks. There was there was a reissue one available here in Atlanta. No, just the pedal. That, oh, really? Yeah, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like when they first came out, it was like people, you know, it was cool and they sold, and then people started getting hip to them because they do sound really good, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Princeton. I, I I think the 12 inch on the Princeton is the right the right way to go. Totally. I mean. Uh, 10 inches are cool. 10 inch speakers are cool and they, they do a certain thing. But to me, if you're going to actually use this amp, a 10 inch Princeton is a cool like character thing. Like when you want that small amp, small speaker kind of sound, it, it's cool. It does that. But if you're going to have this amp as your, maybe your primary amp for playing at home and gigging and stuff like that, I think a 12 is, is the right move. Yeah. And one of my biggest complaints about the 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 Princeton Reverb is is it just has too much bass, especially with a ten. Right. Um, and you can remedy that by modding it, but even turning the bass knob all the way down, which I think that's the secret for a lot of blackface reissues, is turn the bass down. You don't need yeah. a lot of bass. There's plenty of bass in that circuit, and then coming through. But um, 
that's that's always been my biggest problem with them. Every time I've played them, it's just it farts out. Right. Uh, but having the twelve, just, it completely fixes it. And I think, I mean, if I were to get, if I was going to go to a, a shop and get a Fender off the shelf amp, that would be the first one I would look for. Uh, if it was, you know, if if I needed a little bit more um, flexibility and control, I mean, normally I go Pro Junior, but that is like that. There's great. So Havorius is in the chat now, and he's saying that. In fact, this picture, and this is the first here on Dipped in Tone. <laughs> and Havorius, I want you to know that from me, you're going to get brownie points for this. This indeed was shot on film on his Hasselblad camera. <laughs> now, I would like to know in the chat, uh, Havorius, what Hasselblad, is this an actual medium format uh, camera? Because my God. No, literally, he wasn't. He He just joined us in the middle of us dipping his rig, so he didn't hear us at the beginning. But the first thing we said when we opened this up was like, wow, what a picture. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is beautiful. Um, all right. So here's the deal. This, to me, might be the most well put together rig we've seen thus far. Also, let's not skip over the fact that he's got the amp isolated on the little platform mm-hmm. from the floor. That is a pro move right there, my friend. Um, great for recording. It decouples the amp from the floor really really nice touch for playing surf music i think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head <sighs> there's nothing i would change here for no. playing that kind of sound and doing this i'm going to give this and the fact that it was shot on a Hasselblad portrait 160 this is 10 out of 10 for me oh man this is this is a perfect score 10 out of 10 rig for me right here man so yeah, I'm you know I'm just gonna I, I I'm right there with you, except for the fact that I don't know what a Hasselblad is. <laughs> it's a really nice, really cool camera. So it's why we like the picture so much. My okay, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really nitpick, and just because like, um, apparently I'm a jerk on the internet. I've been getting some comments <laughs> about that. Dude, this get past over week. yourself, man! My God, <laughs> uh, gosh, so pretentious. Uh. My only, my only complaint, Graham, is uh, you got one Coley cable going in, and then this that that normal straight guy going to the, the amp. Oh, that's bullshit. Nine point no, nine. Nine point no, nine nine. No, I'm no. I I'm gonna speak against that. That's that's so. You don't do two Coily cables in a rig. <laughs> you either do one Coily cable into the front of your amp if you're if you're really rock and roll, or you do it into the front of your pedal board. But I I like. I, I'm I'm kidding. I, I would give it a. <laughs> my, the only thing I would like to see would probably be more of an an overdrive because I, mm. I the fuzzy cake. Uh, I I don't know how well it could handle that. I'm, but but for what, even if I was doing something surfy, I would want a little bit more of a straightforward overdrive and not solely relying on a boost or you know a higher gain thing. So I'm but nine point nine. I want to give it a nine point nine. All right, so we need to we need to establish a um, we need to establish and I play bass. If you're in the chat, maybe this is a a task for you or someone in the, oh, the no. comment section later. We need a dipped in tone rig dipping hall of fame. If <laughs> if we have a rig that one or both of us have rated at ten shoils, I think it makes the the hall of fame. And uh, this one this one does it. This is a hall of fame for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is a Hall of Famer. I'm just, I'm just 
being contrarian, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, I, I genuinely do love it. And I think it's, it's wicked. And like, if I, if I showed up at a, at a show and I saw that sitting on stage, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the ultimate test. You know, I would too. If I saw that on a stage, I'd be like, this, this is a, a player of taste here. Yeah. This is someone that knows their thing. And my God. And he'd probably be walking around the gig with his Hasselblad taking pictures and stuff, and I would be very into that. How much is a Hasselblad? Oh, they're not cheap. No. They're not cheap. Okay. No. Um, speaking of, have you seen Josh Scott's uh, recent dive into film photography? I see it on his like his stories and stuff, yeah. You can thank um, the one and only Tilly Schull for that. Oh. When we were there for the Pedals the Musical, Tilly's been shooting on film, mm-hmm. and... Um, she loves it. She's really, really good. In fact, one of the things she wants to do in the basement here is make a dark room. Right. And for her birthday, I bought her a bunch of like develop. We're going to start developing stuff ourselves. But um, yeah, when we were there for the musical, every time we travel, she takes her 35 millimeter film camera with her and she pushed Josh into it. And you know, if, if anyone here knows anything about Josh Scott, um, obsessive is a bit of an understatement with him. <laughs> and so when he gets into something, he he like jumps in and 10 out of 10 just goes for it and that's film photography is his thing now right so um honestly it's amazing if you're at all interested in film photography or sorry in photography um go get yourself a a cheap 35 millimeter film camera and start messing around with it it's a jolly man growing up my my father always took he took photos of of us Mm -hmm. and it, it there's something special about a film like photo uh you know there's a lot of pictures of us at the Smokies and, and, and things like that when we were kids and they just, they have this different quality to them. It's, it's really special, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. talking about going all in on something. Oh boy. You can get right into it. So last week, yes, yes, yes. I had mentioned about how I'm, I do that. You know, if I want to do something, I'm just going to sort high to low and like, you know, <laughs> two or three down. That's usually where I'm aiming for with stuff. But I reeled it back a little bit, and I bought a pickup winder. Yeah, you did. And I bought all the stuff to make six sets of humbuckers at first. Because I thought, the humbucker is probably the most, for all the classic pickups, it's the most complicated. It's two ah. coils. Yep. Um, the bobbin, you, you, you start the wire, and you have to solder a little wire to that. And then you end the coil, and then there's a little wire hanging. You solder the wire to that. Unlike a Telecaster uh, or a, or a Stratocaster that has a little eyelet, so you can like wrap the wire there, wind the coil, wrap the wire. It, it's it's uh, it's 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 a better design, I think, for the bobbin itself. But I thought if I'm going to do it, I might as well learn how to do the harder thing first and go backwards from there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. foolish, <laughs> right? But well, it's like it's like when you're you're tackling a big project. Traditionally, you want to at least what I've always heard is you start with the most difficult thing first when you're fresh and like in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than saving it for the end. So I, I, going back to like, and by the way, by the way, we already have people in the chat. I don't know if you're reading this, but we've got people in the chat that are already claiming <laughs> sets of pickups. Right. Um, <laughs> Dmar says pick free pickups for all patrons. Oh, Chivalry man. says one of those sets are mine. So yeah. you might as well, I would go ahead and budget for about two dozen sets well, just to start with. Because <laughs> I'm on that list. I will have you know, everyone, 
I'm first. Okay. Yeah, you and Joey uh, are Damn definitely right. high on uh, high on the list. I mean, I'm first, but um, I'm second. <laughs> but I'm second. I, I everyone I've spoken to about this is super excited, and they're like, "Oh, you're going to do great!" And I'm like, "You do realize I have no idea how to do this." It, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be real with you as your friend and your uh, your compatriot here. I don't know that you're going to nail it right out of the gate. I I don't think I will. No, I don't think you will. I, I think I think you're going to send me that first set, and I'm going to be like, okay, they work. <laughs> Here's what needs to change. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing. So going back to the Adam Savage thing, watching Tested. Tested is something I've watched for years, and all the people that have been featured on that channel. If you don't subscribe to Tested, and you at all it's like amazing. Oh props or building things or or movies or whatever it's just it's just a fun channel on youtube it's amazing but watching that for years and years gave me the confidence and i think the skill set or at least the the outline of a skill set to start tackling the proton pack because when i got to building it i'd watched videos of them aging props and how to put things together and you know some of the the tools you need some of the uh, the types of glues and it, you know, those sort of things. And knowing that kind of, I think put me a little bit ahead of the curve whenever I started that project. So with this project, it's been the same thing. I've been watching people wind pickups and, and learning about it for ages. In fact, my, um, shield of the week is going to touch on that, but, um, I do think, yeah, my first set's going to be a stinker. So. Can we just say, though, that that's the beauty of the Internet and the beauty of YouTube now is that you can just get into something and already start with at least a solid base of knowledge before you even do the thing first. Right. Yeah, It's amazing. Uh, there is a Greg Cock was doing a clinic. And uh, this is this is more recent. This is like after all the Hal Leonard and Fender stuff. Uh, but he was just talking about with this in your pocket, there's no reason to suck because you have every lesson, every bit of educational material, mostly for free, and you can just look it up. So I'm very knowledge hungry in that. I really, really like if whenever I get excited about something, I want to know as much as I can about it. So yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful thing that we can do that. But I also think it's a double-edged sword because it also gives anyone who hasn't done that the they think they know, you know. Mm. So if I mm-hmm. say I want to I want to wind a humbucker but I'm I'm going to, you know, hand lay the wire to be like, "Well, that's not how a PAF was made and all this stuff." Like, yeah, I know, but that doesn't mean you can't do it well. So, um what what should we talk about with pickups? You know, how should we get this conversation started? Because, or maybe maybe I should say, when it comes to pickups, pickups aren't. There's not a be all end all pickup that that works in everything. Pickups, I think, are guitar specific. But what do you look for uh, in in any kind of pickup? Well, I think it's important to start with what what do you what are you looking to not get out of a pickup. I think that's even more important in some ways than what are you looking for in a pickup. And so here's the thing about pickups. If you're new to guitar or, you know, you've never experimented with this, I I would tell everyone out there, if you have an electric guitar, swap your pickups, experiment, keep your originals, right? And, And go out and depending on what your budget is, try something new and you will be amazed 
at the differences in tone and feel and response that you get from swapping pickups out in your guitar. And it's fun. It's fun. You mix and match, you get different things and it's, it's awesome for me. I hate high output pick the worst pickups I've ever played. Uh, I had a 2001 uh, Gibson Les Paul custom wine, red gold hardware, ebony board. It was a beautiful guitar and it was a great guitar. Um, I, I wish I still had it, but the pickups that came in that were the 490 and 498 T humbuckers from Gibson. Those are ceramic magnet, just balls to the wall output humbuckers that sounded horrible. They were muddy. There was a lot of low mid. They had no clarity. They had no touch response. And it was like it was you had an always on compressor with those pickups because every time, no matter what type of amp, it would just hit the front end of the amp way too hard. No matter how soft you were playing, they were awful. Yeah. So I swapped those out with a set of Porter Anthem PAFs and that completely changed the, uh, the character of that guitar and it made it, it made it great. Right. And one thing that's crazy to think is that, you know, if you had those, those four nineties or whatever, it, it, if you had the the gumption, uh, it's really easy to change the magnets because the part of the reason why it's it's going to be so strident and hot is the having having that that high output ceramic magnet. But you could take it out and you know effectively, unless the the bobbins are completely overwhelmed, it's still just a humbucker, you know. So you could throw an A two or an A four or an A five or anything in there, and and it may change the character, but that's that's getting into a level of uh obsessiveness that most people don't yeah i i probably am not the type of person to like start swapping magnets if if it was if it was oh god if it was to that point with me where i'm swapping magnets out i'm i I would just i would have swapped the pickups already by that yeah well and with the pickup having a humbucker anyway and, and and again this is only really something you can do on a humbucker guitar you might be able I don't know if you could do it on a P90. Swapping. You might could do it on a P90. You might could. Yeah, you just might take could. that bobbin off the base and it'll slide right yeah, out. Yeah, baby, come on. Hey, you got to check your orientation, right make sure your poles are right. Man, you don't need to buy new pickups, man. That's a waste of money. That's what they want you to do. Just You might could just swap out them magnets. Hell, I got a, I got a couple magnets in the shop in the back. You can try it out. <laughs> I don't know what they're from, but might I mean, could. hell, I might could do that. Might could. But um, but if if your pickups, have, if a humbucker has a cover on it, you can't get the magnet out. So you have to take the cover off. Um. But yeah, I, I think um, high output is 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 not great. It kind of it kind of paints you into a corner because sometimes they can work and sometimes they can be really dynamic and responsive. But at the same time, when you're all the way up, which let's be honest, that's where most of us live. Um, it's just it's too much. It's too much, and the feel of a pickup. And I think this is something that I don't know if many people consider this, but pickups feel different. There's something about, uh, and I think that is all down to how they're wound. Because when you look at pickups on paper, you know everybody makes a PAF style Alnico two with five thousand turns per bob and sort of like basic humbucker. Why are they different? Right, right. Because they're wound different. Yeah. So how do we uh, how, where layout? Do we start with like the basics of pickup? I feel like most of our audience here are pretty uh, pretty hip to 
the basics of pickups. And yeah. uh, for the third time today, I will self shill a video that I've made. I've made a few <laughs> videos on like what is the P90 sound, what is the PAF sound, you know, the Filtertron sound. And, you know, in that, it's in making those videos, I actually learned a lot about, you know, not just the the inherent design differences in the pickups, but like what the designers were kind of going for and why a Filtertron sounds so much different than a P90 and why, to me, a great PAF really is pretty close to a good P90 just without the hum because that's what they were trying to do when they designed the P the PAF was just essentially have a hum canceling P90. Yeah. Um, and it all comes back to looking for the same kind of things in my pickup sounds. I want balance across the frequency range, right? I don't want a pickup that's too bass heavy or too trebly or too mid rangey. I want clarity I want some brilliance in the top end. And above all else, I like touch sensitivity, even when you're all the way up on 10 on your control. Being able to just completely change how the guitar sounds with your your picking hand is like the most important thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, there's so many different ways to approach like how how you want to like choose the pickups for your guitar because I, I, I know a lot of people and I've tried a lot of, of, I've tried a lot of humbuckers over the years. Humbuckers are my favorite pickups. I I've, I've owned tons. I've had friends who had just collections of boutique pickups and they would loan them to me and I would throw them in my guitar to see what I liked and what I didn't like. But I feel like when it comes to the, the best of the best, there's kind of two camps. There's ones that, that have a character and they do a thing right? You know, to take a phrase from you. <laughs> they do the thing, man. They, 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 they have like a, you know, unique mid range or, or an interesting response in the top end. And then there's some that are just kind of as balanced and clean as they can be in, in, in a, in a nice way. But I do feel like the pickups I've always gravitated towards have had, there's been like something about them that sets them apart. You know, they're not perfect. They're not because vintage pickups weren't either. You know, there's, there's usually something funny in the mid range or something happening that, that makes it sound the way it does. But that's, I think a thing that a lot of people, they get, they get stuck with, with um, like the little EQ curves that Seymour Duncan or DiMarzio or whoever puts on their website about, Oh, it has this much trouble and this much that. And, mm-hmm. and people may think, Oh, that will, that'll add a lot of clarity or that'll really, you know, mellow out the top end. But oftentimes you you really are just finding something that complements, at least in my opinion, the acoustic voice of your guitar. And so sometimes that is not the best way to go. And, people were talking on the chat, they love swapping pickups, but that is, that's a deep rabbit hole that you really just have to go on that journey. And sometimes pickups will never save a guitar. No, but sometimes it does. I mean, and well, the thing is though, if the guitar is good, if, if the bass guitar, let me rephrase that. If the, not the bass, if the, the guitar's foundation is good in and of itself, then you're going to find pickups that are going to accentuate different parts of that guitar. They might revoice it, but it's still going to be a good sounding guitar. 
On the other end, if you have a, a guitar that's just a dog, it doesn't resonate very well. It's it's kind of dead sounding. You're not going to go buy a three or four hundred dollar set of PAFs and throw it in that thing and all of a sudden have like an amazing guitar. It, it's it's kind of like um, what's a good analogy? It's like a steak, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can think of the guitar like a nice, you know, a, a nice ribeye, right? And a good guitar. Like my my Saris J, it's like a perfectly marbled, just beautiful twenty ounce ribeye, right? The the fat marbling's going through, and you can tell no matter what seasoning you put on that piece of steak, and no matter how you cook it, if it's cooked well, it's going to be a great steak. With a cheaper guitar or a less, even not even a cheaper guitar, but a guitar that just doesn't uh, do the thing, so to speak, it's like having just kind of a gristly lean cut of you know <laughs> just a, a bad cheap steak and it kind of doesn't matter how much a1 or whatever you put on that thing it's just not gonna be a great meal <laughs> so that's the thing to think about with pickups if you are getting into this it's like if you've got a guitar that's not all that great but you think putting a couple hundred dollars worth of pickups and electronics in it is going to turn it around it's going to make a difference yeah um and it might be a difference for the better but it's not going to completely fix that guitar's issues totally totally yeah it's i i've tried that many times thinking oh this guitar's eh i'll put this in it and maybe it'll bring it to life and it never does you know because the the liveliness of a guitar doesn't exist in that way right so um everyone in the chat you're making them hungry first off uh they're talking about the importance of um pickup height and that's one thing too that and this might be kind of getting away from the point at hand, but whenever you are messing with your guitar and, and, and considering changing pickups, make sure you play with the heights because mm-hmm. it is a huge determining factor. I don't know where it was. I recently saw a video about someone talking. Oh, it was it was um, Mike Adams, Pusheen again talking about pickup height and how you could hear the magnetic pull and you hear this sort of like weird thing. There's there's like people, I don't know, backfiring their cars out in the, the road. Um, <laughs> I can't hear it. The um, How you can hear like the magnetic pull. And I don't, I don't remember which video it was, but it was one of those things I'd, I'd always heard it and I'd adjust accordingly, but I never realized that's what it was. Mm. Um, so if you have your pickup set really high to your strings, you want to back them down. Backing them down usually, I mean, it's going to lower the output. It can kind of increase the clarity too. So you just have to play with it. There's no like hard and fast rule on setting your pickup height. Yeah, and so that's what's called proximity effect. And the same thing happens with microphones, and I'll demonstrate here. Right. So generally, the closer a pickup or a microphone is to a sound source, the more low end you're going to get. Right. So if I get right up on this 87 here you can hear there's a lot of low end in my voice there's a lot of low mid if you're listening in a car with like a sub for example depending on how milton eqs this you're gonna hear a lot more low end and as i start to back up and i get you know maybe a foot away from the mic now a lot of that low end is gone like and i'm talking like 100 hertz 200 hertz things like that are gone and you're getting a lot more upper mid range and top end clarity especially with this mic um and so the same thing happens with pickups. If you get, if you get way up on the strings, you get the, the pickup way closer to the strings. First of all, your output, your overall volume is going to go up. Your gain is going to go up. Then 
you're going to get more low end, low mid range. Uh, but you're also going to have, and the string pull thing I think is kind of an interesting, it's a, an interesting debate. I don't know that the magnets have that much of an effect on the resonance and sustain on the strings because the magnets themselves are so weak that I think if if there is any effect, it's negligible. I you can I believe you can hear it because I was uh, adjusting um, the magnets on a a new guitar, <laughs> um, and I could hear what Mike was he had on his video, and it 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 it's like a little flutter thing, and it's 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 very minute. You know, but those little things are what make make or break a guitar. I think all the little details. Yeah, I mean, and and so that's the thing. It's like it, it, the string pull debate. You know, the magnet pull debate. It, it's just dial it in where you think it sounds good and you're the most comfortable. That's yeah. really it. And know? and it's interesting too. Like, I think I think pickups totally have an effect on a guitar's vibe because if you look at something like a Les Paul Special versus a Les Paul Junior, especially old ones. There is something about a junior, and the only major difference on those guitars um, is that one's a soap bar and one's a dog ear, P90. Um, on paper, most of the time they had very similar output pickups, but juniors just hit different. The same scale, same body shape, but... I think one, I know why. One has a neck and one doesn't, neck pickup. Well... It's also the difference between the dog ear and the soap bar where the dog ear, the pickup, first of all, those P90s were not wax potted, right? Yeah. And the dog ear being essentially bolted directly to the top of the guitar where uh, the, 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 in fact, Keith at five watt world just did a video on this on, on juniors this week. And he talked about that in his video, which I thought was super cool, which was, the dog gear part of the sound of the junior is the dog gear P90 and the way that it's mounted to the guitar has a difference on the effect. And when the guitar is not wax potted, it's more microphonic and it's picking up more of the actual resonances of the guitar uh, as well as everything that's happening around the guitar. I had problems with microphonic pickups right. <laughs> when I was playing church gigs, the guys at the front of house and these big mega churches would get pissed off at me because my, those Porter anthems I had were not wax potted and they would have the front of house blasting so hot that standing on stage, my pickups were picking up front of house vocals and then sending them through my amp and then back out to front of house. Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think a big part of the junior is the, those dog ear P90s and the pickup is really resonating with the guitar and that's doing something to the output. Well, but it, a rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me, Zach. A lot of the, well... Okay, so a lot of vintage P90 loaded Gibsons, Les Pauls, uh, like a like a standard Les Paul specifically, the depth of the route is oftentimes the height of the pickup. So, the, granted, a dog gear is mounted in a different manner, you know, to the, the top outside the pickup route. But uh, I had a reissue. I had a '54 reissue, um, and this was a thing. Throwback even makes stuff to they 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 make their P90s different whether or not you have a vintage style or a modern style P90 route because the height on on that guitar and on vintage ones that the pickup just you screw the screw all the way down and it's down. 
you know, unless you put compression foam or something underneath it, there's no way to raise it back up. It's just the height. So I do think it matters. Everything matters. But I don't know if it's as crucial because I still think that the microphonics of that P90 being bolted right to the body uh, will will essentially do a very similar thing. Uh, right. I think it's the difference is like how is the pickup mounted? Is, right. is there foam underneath it? acting as a spring to push the pickup back up against the tension of the the screw right. or is it mounted directly to the body whether it's a it's a dog ear or soap bar i think that's the difference because you're it's like in a car like race cars or sports cars they will you know instead of having soft rubber bushings in the suspension and the engine mounts and the transmissions they will hard mount everything right um, which gives the guitar, the gives the guitar, gives the car more of a, a snappy response, I guess, if you will. But it also makes the ride way harsher because all of the vibrations that are coming from the road are going straight into the body of the guitar of the, God bless America <laughs> of the car. It's the same principle, right? If you have that compression foam, if anybody doesn't know, doesn't know what we're talking about, when you traditionally mount a soap bar P90, at least in a modern guitar. Um, you have these blocks of foam that go underneath the pickup. They go under in between the pickup and the bottom of the pickup route and the guitar, and it essentially acts as a spring, pushing the pickup up against the tension of the screw. Yeah. Um, otherwise, what you would do is if you didn't have that foam, you would set the screws in there at their height, and then the pickup would just fall to the bottom of the pickup route. So you need something to push it back up. Yeah. But like a dog ear P90 – where the mounting screws are on the edges of the pickup, it's just bolted directly to the top of the guitar. And my thought is that having the the pickup bolted directly to the guitar, which is not wax potted, which we should talk about for a second, um, meaning it's acting in a more microphonic way, like a microphone, it's picking up more of the vibrations of the wood and influencing the overall tone of the guitar. Right. Well, but back to what I meant, I don't think the originals had any sort of spring or foam on the specials and stuff. Right. But right. maybe they did. I don't know. But I, I, it's it's we're we're splitting hairs at that point. But but yeah. But touch this, is, this is an online guitar podcast, Zach. This is all about <laughs> splitting hairs. That's what we're here to do. Okay. The people would be pissed if we didn't start splitting hairs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you touched on on uh, potting. Um. How do you feel about how do you feel about potting? How do you feel about it? Um, I like unpotted pickups. Yeah, they're noisy, you know, and they're they're kind yeah. of a pain to deal with sometimes, but they sound good. They're, I I don't think they're any more noisy. Um, well, microphonic. They, you know, they're microphonic. They squeal. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, what I mean. But man, uh, I'm trying to find like a route of a P90 guitar. I want to know if they had springs or not. Um, but. I have been fooled before by thinking, oh, this pickup's not potted, and it sounded great. Uh, Bare Knuckle, I had a set of Stormy Mondays, which I swore were not potted, and then I went to adjust the pickup height screw, uh, or the, the like the, the pole screw, and if, 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 if you want to find out real quick, just turn that into the bobbin, and you'll see wax spit out. Mm. Um, they were potted, and they sounded great, but normally I prefer things to not be potted on, on a humbucker uh, or a P90, any Gibson yeah. style pickup, a Fender. I think, I mean, a lot of those were, I mean, some of those are dipped in lacquer. There's different ways that they would pot a pickup, but essentially all potting is, is just uh, putting some material on the, the wines so that there's no air gaps, there's no space and, and you're eliminating 
microphonics or the 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 potential for microphonic uh, yeah. things to happen. D Mars in the chat asked thoughts on noiseless single coils. I feel like people don't like them, and I'm not sure why. I'm I'm not crazy about them. I think I think there are some noiseless pickups out there that sound good, but I think to me, if you're going to have a single coil, you know, part of the sound is the 60 cycle hum, which drives some people crazy. Mm. I don't really care. Now, I have run into situations on gigs, like with my Saris J with those P90s in it, where I <laughs> the playing on stages that have really bad power, where you've got a bad ground hum that's accentuated by a P90, a noisy P90, where I physically couldn't play the guitar on that gig because yeah. it was like you'd kick on an overdrive pedal and it was louder than anything else in the band. You're just like, <laughs> you know, there's just nothing you could do. So that is that is something to consider. But um, generally, yeah, I, I just go with normal well, single coils. I think I think we're we're we've come very far past the days of lace and, you know, yeah. the basic EMG noiseless pickups because oftentimes i think most people consider them too sterile and and historically i think that's that's a fair assumption i think most of the earlier examples of noiseless pickups are are pretty pretty boring uh chivalry in the chat mentioned demarzio paul gilbert strat set demarzio makes the area series for um, single coils and i i've had some of the area strat pickups um and and in my solace i have an area tele pickup I think it's really good, but I will say I think the best noiseless pickups are being made by Fishman. I think the Fishman Fluent stuff, I think a lot of people, maybe not on average, but most people I I think relate them to higher gain. Um, Mm. And I think that's not not fair because the first set I ever heard was a Strat set. Uh, It was great. And and then the Greg Cock, uh, Gristle tone or whatever he's calling his his single coil now he's doing a p90 yeah they're, they're supposed to send me a set of those p90s and i really want to check them out they're i've, I've not played the p90s i've played the telly set it's so good they're, they they feel right and i think that's right. the biggest thing and and the fact that you have a pickup that has a has a, a button that can change how they're wound and it's all you know it's not digital there's not nothing digital happens it's just an analog switch that changes how those function because unlike classic bobbins that are wound with wire, they're essentially stacked uh, copper circuit boards right? that produce a a field. And it's, it's so smart and cool. And I just really, uh, I'm really impressed with them. Um, You know, I I know that Rick is a huge fan of the P one hundreds, which are a stacked P P 90 pickup. I had a set of those and I, I didn't like them, but you know what? The thing about all this stuff is it's so personal. It's so personal. Yeah, that's the thing about Rick's, you know, so that um, TV yellow special that he has in his studio, um, that's his best sounding guitar in that studio. We've we've used that on sessions for years. and, And when I used to intern there and I would play on stuff, that was always the first guitar we would grab. He had that and then he had a... He still has this, the telly he plays in some of his videos. It's like that cream off-white telly. It's like a 97 or 98, just American standard telly that's completely stock, but it's just a, a great guitar. Um, and that's what he's doing. I think he's announced this already. But um, yeah, the Beato Signature Gibson they're doing, it's that Les Paul special. And it there was an interesting um, thing that happened with that where 
um, the hit. So the one that he bought, it's like a 2003 or 2004, that TV yellow one. Yeah. It was like yeah. a special run of guitar center. The that, faded that, series. Yeah. Yeah. And the body is thinner on that one than a normal special than like a vintage special. And so he has a few prototypes that when he first got him and, and I played him and Dave came down, we, we all played him. We were looking at him. And we're like, this isn't right. Like, neck joint's not right it, the the guitar's not right it was a lacquered finish like it just isn't this isn't the thing and it wasn't until we went back and compared to his tv yellow we figured like oh this one's way thinner it's almost it's not as thin as an sg but it's it's kind of that way and there's no grain filler in the body it's just like a just a color coat and that's it so yeah. the wood the neck everything is just almost like an open mahogany thin body with those P100s and that guitar, it literally rings. And so I think he's been playing the prototype. I don't, I don't think I'm dropping I, I, any, he, any like secret knowledge yet. But, he posted um, it on Instagram. He posted uh, yeah. something about it. So here's the deal. Like, I don't know what those are going to retail for, but that's going to be a killer P90 guitar to have. Yeah. Um, and if you like that blue color and you don't mind it saying Rick Beato on the headstock, that's going to be, those are going to be ringer guitars and Gibson. Um, I think Gibson should put those back into production. They didn't even have them in their records. Like mm. they had to go back and like Rick had to send his to them in Nashville and had them like measure it and do a whole bunch of stuff. And they're like, Oh, this is weird. I don't know why. Cause obviously that was Henry J era. And this is the new Gibson. They were right. trying to figure out like, why did they do it this way? But yeah, yeah. it's badass. They, they, in the early two thousands, they, they made a bunch of, faded stuff and there was like the, the Les Paul standard faded which are now really sought after people pay you know fairly big money for those because they're, they're good guitars but they did sg special faded and then yeah those those double cuts i knew i knew a few people that had those that got them you know when we were like getting out of high school you know and um yeah because they were cheap like 500 bucks or something like that 600 bucks I, I think they were like seven eight hundred bucks new yeah um because i had a i had a 2001 Les Paul special, like a single cut that actually won in a contest. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was, you know, had a full nitro finish, but yeah, the open grain, you know, no filler, that was a big deal for a while, but yeah, it's cool. Um, so I kind of want to get back to what I'm hoping to accomplish with, with the pickup thing, because early on, I think Rob in the chat asked what, what, what are my goals with this? Mm -hmm. Right. And, while I appreciate everyone getting excited about mythos pickups, essentially, like, or, you know, possibly, <laughs> right. This is still like my hope with this is that once I transition everything into the new shop, I'll have my winder like bolted to my bench in the garage and I'll start trying this. Right. I have no idea how long it takes to make a pickup. I have no idea how, uh, hard this is going to be for me to, you know, do you know it's 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 all still very new but my my goal is to do them in small batches once i dial it in i fully expect i have to make like 10 sets or or more yeah. before i know oh this is right and even then once i kind of get oh this output and this feels right but the sound isn't right that's when you start changing magnets and there's every permutation there's rough cast which you know the magnets that go uh, essentially on a humbucker, you have the two, the two bobbins and a magnet sits right in between them and, and touches the, the pole pieces and stuff. There's, there's rough casts, which are just like, look like they came right out of the sand. There's smooth casts yep. that have been polished. They sound different. 
Um, so it's going to be quite the journey, but I hope to do my idealized PAF style pickup. Um, that's going to be the first thing. I, I want to get into P90s. I want to get into strats and tellies and, and maybe weird stuff too eventually. But my idealized telly, or telly, gosh, my idealized PAF is clarity, but compression on the immediate attack. There's something about real PAFs and the real good copies of PAFs guys like throwback guys. Like I think Lindy Fraylin does a really good job. Um, I've honestly never played any Lawlers that I thought were genuine. I think that he's trying to progress the PAF and not mm. make more of a replica, but right. they, th- when you hit the note, there's like this bloom that happens. And I know all these terms are just words that are hard to equate with something audible, but it's a feel thing too, as much as it is a, a sound thing. And so I want my pickups to have that character all the while having a, a noticeable mid-range without being honky, clarity mm-hmm. without being bright, and a tight low end because boomy pickups really bother me. Right. And right. That, that's what I'm hoping to do. And I I have no idea how long this will take. Usually when I try to design a, a pedal, it takes anywhere from six months to a year. I expect this to be the same. Uh, before I'm even close to releasing any anything for sale, uh, or, or maybe even close to making sets and giving them to people, because after all this is said and done, after I do all this research, can I make sets over and over again? You know, once I make one that sounds good, I want to take notes on how I lay the wire because I didn't get an auto traversal; I just got a Mojo Tone winder. Shout out to Mojo Tone; they make killer stuff. Um, am, am I going to be able to lay the wire on? the coil the same mm. i don't know <laughs> so <laughs> i i have to to do that and it may take i i found the supplier that supplies um seymour duncan uh with their their wire the 42 plane enamel wire and i mm-hmm. bought a big spool of it because you know what's going to happen i'm going to mess it up and have to take an exacto knife and cut all that copper out i can't unwind it yep. so it's trash and so i'm going to have to I think I'm just going to have to sit there and wind coils and pay attention to how they're laid because if if you've never been to Throwback's website and they also they also have the website pafhumbucker.com um they do deep dives into all this stuff and show how the different winding machines laid the wire on it's so crucial on the sound of these things but that's where I want to start and then eventually get into P90s and then maybe Tellys and lastly Strats yeah, you need to you need to like make videos about this. I know, man. I know, I know. God, I th- I'm gonna light a fire under your ass to finally start doing that. It's not if that you start, I don't want to. You, I do want to. I don't, I don't have time. I just don't have time. No, oh, I'm just kidding. Gosh. But I'm serious. <laughs> when you have I'm a kid, I want to be like, hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? Do you have any time to do this? No, weird. <laughs> Listen, man. So I'm not having kids. Okay, I like my time. <laughs> like being able to work on stuff. Uh, but for real, you should make videos about that. I think it's yeah. uh, it's it's a good way to start the the Mythos YouTube channel, the Mythos YouTube journey, if you will. Oh, yeah. And I will. Oh, shout out to my buddy Grant from Big Ear because he, if you don't follow Grant on Instagram and stuff, you should. But he's got some stuff he's working on that's going to be really cool. And um, it's really exciting. He's He's looking at doing some cool things on on youtube soon so 
Nice. Um, that's going to involve like everybody and uh, in the pedal world. And I'm really pumped about it. So uh, that's going to be, an, he's, he's starting to light a fire under me too. Like everyone I know, he actually Grant calls me on occasion. He's like, Hey, are you, are you filming your, your transition into this new workshop? I'm like, uh, no. He's like, why not? You should. You should. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. I, yeah, I agree with Grant. You I need, absolutely should be. I need one more helper to just follow me around, be a like Greg Vanderchuck or whatever, and just film me. Is Greg that, Vanderchuk. Is that his name? I don't fucking know. <laughs> no, but Gary, I don't care. Gary, what's his name? I Gary, don't... Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. Greg G. Vanderchuk. I'm not, I'm not sure about that guy. <laughs> is it, I thought it was Gary. It is Gary. What did I say? Greg? Greg. Oh. <laughs> Who's Greg Vanderchuk? Let's look I'm him nobody. up. Oh, there's got to hey, be. Greg. Hi, I'm Greg Vanderchuk. I'm running for county tax, uh, county Oh shit! What would what would Greg Vanderchuk? Uh, he would be for? like the the assessor of property or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Greg Vanderchuk. Ah oh, man. Anyway, I'm running for Fulton County County Processor. Uh, yeah, people are saying they they can't wait for the Shoyle Special PAF. I think the Shoyles has got some other things cooking, but uh, oh, we're cooking. We're cooking. We're baby. cooking on we, some stuff. Man, we we got we're the cooking. kitchen's hot, hot. Well, do you want to fire? I, I don't know if we. I don't know if we answer. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just rambled about pickups for an hour, but that's fine. That's that's the kind of quality content that you subscribe here for at Dipped in Tone. Yes, you want to? You want? <laughs> sorry, I was reading a comment on the Discord. I can't handle these. Like everyone, uh, I know yeah, I'm reading this. Uh, um, do you, do you want to do you want to do your shell? Yeah, yeah. I've actually got two. Oh, oh, oh. And these are actual shells because I got both of these for free. So. Uh, <laughs> Come at me, man. <laughs> All right. So I got a big. Uh, I got a big today or this week was a good mail week for me. Um, got a big uh, care package from Jam Pedals. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jam Pedals. And I I've been waiting on this pedal from them <laughs> since last Nam. I played it at Nam. And usually when you play pedals at Nam, you can't hear what they sound like or or know at all. But I, I played this one and just it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, First of all, just look at it. I mean, would you just? Oh yeah. Would you just look at that? It's got suede on it. And then on the back, the zipper. Now check this out. This is a vibe right here. Ready? You want to see on the inside? Bam! There's a clear back. We should put a blur. We should put a black block over that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the fuzz phrase. This is a uh, a really really great fuzz circuit that they do. And by the way, when they do this. Because obviously this is not pedal board friendly. <laughs> no. They include a a metal, like just on a normal pedal back that you could put, you know, your dual lock on or whatever, sticking on a pedal board. But I think I'm going to keep this off the board. Just use it as like a studio tool. Right. Um, really, really great fuzz circuit here. Uh, fuzz face style thing. And it's mm. purple suede, man. Come on. Don't get it wet. Don't feed it after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That this is worth at least ten tone points just for the suede. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and it comes in the nice. I'm a sucker for packaging, like we all are, because we're oh, humans. Man, Come on, I I I want for the pickups. I want to have a really cool box. But. Yeah, you, you have to. You need the unboxing experience. Now, this is the other thing, and I think I'm going to make this might be my next video this week because I am stupid excited about this pedal. So the deal with this, this is a, a bit of a coincidence. I've had this pedal in my reverb cart for weeks maybe even months um 
and literally I was finally, I, I told myself, I was like, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till we get in the house and we, you know, get through all the moving stuff and then I'm going to buy it. I've seen a bunch of people make videos on it. Paul David's made a video on it. Andrew Wong's made a video on it. And this is the type of pedal that I'm really excited for. And literally I had planned on purchasing it on reverb last week. And out of the blue, I got an email from the company and they're like, Hey, love your channel. Could we send you this pedal? And I was like, oh, yes, you can. They, I've, I've been wanting this. They knew they saw their like, what's this pending order on reverb? Yeah, it's like this guy just won't pull the trigger on this thing. <laughs> anyway, the microcosm from Hologram Electronics. Now, this is not your type of pedal at all, Zach. Hey, um, you, you know what's funny? Carter had some of those. No, this is new. Are you the microcosm or one of their older ones? I think it was that one. And okay. I was going to buy you one as a gift, and they <gasps> sold it out from underneath me. But they didn't sell it out from underneath me. They sold it. Before I could go get it, and well, it's a good thing you didn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> thank goodness I didn't do something nice for you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, they they sent this to me like no strings attached, no no video or it's sponsored or anything like that. But this is the type of pedal that I'm really excited about. This is the type of effect that's kind of like all about experimentation, and it's useful for not just guitar. I'm going to put my modular rig through this thing and. Chris, uh, my assistant, who's going to be starting full-time with me this week, actually. He's a hell of a keys player, so putting some keys stuff through this thing. um, I'm real excited about it. That's awesome. really excited about it. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, no. Oh, no. My camera died. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and you're on such a delay right now that I still see you. (laughs) Sorry, get it back up. We'll, We'll edit this out. Okay, hold on. It's coming. We should just leave it in. <laughs> yeah, just leave it in. It's fine. And whoa, did you see that? <laughs> no, it's still it's still, it's lagging. Hold on, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> da, da, da. Whoa, <laughs> you were blue. <laughs> I was blue, bro. <laughs> whoa. Oh man. Uh, uh. The the downside of having rechargeable things is that if you forget to. Like charge if you forget them, to recharge them or yeah, plug them back in. Works. Just uh, plug your camera into the wall. Why not? Just no, it that. is. So I do. Oh. it's, I have the USB going into, <laughs> it did something <laughs> weird. I have the USB like going into like a hub. Um, but anyway, so uh, my shill of the week, and I don't think I've shown this. I don't think I have is the, Beauty of the Burst. Have you? Do you have this book? Um, no, but I've heard of it. I've not. Uh, yeah, I, I think anybody who's a fan at all of the Les Paul has heard of this book, and you've seen um, people say, "Oh, my custom shop is from Page, whatever." Uh, right. In Beauty of the Burst, and it has really cool stuff. Um, it's from a uh, a Japanese collector. I I don't want to butcher his name. But it's got cool photos of, you know, here's Pearly Gates. Um, and this book is notoriously the wrong color for most things. Uh, the the paperback, the everything's orange. Everything's oh, yeah. really orangey. And um, it should be way more like yellow and stuff. Right. Yeah, I can see that on the, on like the pickguard, the plastics are like a orange. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. Um, yeah. But... This is just a really cool collection of, of Les Pauls and stuff, but 
In the back is the anatomy of the burst. And this was one of the first places I really saw someone take a deep dive into how a PAF sounds and why it sounds the way it sounds. And there's these write-ups and photos of the construction and just what's doing what, what kind of, how, how the aging of a magnet is, how the bobbins can deform with age. And this was one of the first places I ever really kind of paid attention to those sort of things after I bought this book. And if you like Les Pauls or vintage guitars at all, I think this is still one of the best, the best, um, Les Paul books to get. There's a bunch out there, but, um, there's not a lot of, there's like usually three or four photos of each guitar, but really neat. And a lot of, a lot of cool information about all the, the details of the instrument and famous people that played them. And there's a bunch of famous ones in here. So it's a, Wicked book, Beauty of the Burst. There it is. We'll have it linked in the description. Maybe we, maybe we won't actually. Maybe we'll forget. Well, yeah. In yeah. which case, you can link it in the comments. Yes, and and I think if you want the true experience, you have to get the hardback, which I f- believe is out of print. But the paperback you can still get. So yeah. Nice. Oh, and one last thing: t-shirts, all that stuff. We still have our Teespring store, and I know people have been getting a few things here and there. I have not heard as many complaints about the quality. I know people were saying that their shirts are falling apart in the wash and some things like that. Uh, our apologies, but moving forward in the next few months, I'm going to start handling that. I think from my new mythos space, cause I'll have room to, to actually have shirts on a shelf. So if there's a design or an idea that you guys like or want us to maybe do a new iteration of or something new entirely, let us know in the comments or um, shoot us an email. Uh, love to get your ideas and input on on that and future merch things because now that I'm going to be handling it, we can probably do a lot more uh, and more interesting things as well. I'm totally into that. Yeah. Totally into that. And I, I need to do that for my channel too. I need right. to get my merch game together. But I'm not going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I maybe could i my hope is that i could do that uh my hope is to only ship on one day a week uh to take yeah. that pressure off to say only we're only shipping merch on fridays so if you buy right. it monday wait you know but right. but yeah so i think that's it right nice well this has been uh dipped in tone i think we're gonna hang out in the post show hang for a little bit here and discord yep. uh just for a few minutes and then uh yeah, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my Sunday. I think I'm going to take today and tomorrow off. And no one's going to stop me. Memorial Day. Because you know? that's the thing. When you work for yourself, you get to uh, make your own rules and then that's feel right. guilty about it. You just later, rake so. all the money in. You rake stop, it in. Stop working when you want to stop working. That's right. And then <laughs> when you stop, the money stops. So you have to keep going eventually and you end up working more than most people. But it's, mm-hmm. you know. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. Wait, where's where's Graham's sign off this week? Oh, <laughs> we I can take the sound clip and put it in. We'll put it in <laughs> you gotta right drop it in, yeah.